Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Unleash their dobbies. (laughs) (laughs) I refused to put on a bra this morning, and I'm calling it. I said, Dobby is a free elf. And then Lucy (laughs) referred to my boobs as my dobbies, and now that's it. Free the dobbies. Free my dobbies. Hashtag freeze Pamela. I was scrambling to get coffee to start on time, so I was only glancing at those messages, and I thought, I assumed (laughs) that the Dobbies were your poops, because you said that you had to poop. I did also release those Dobbies. (laughs) Mm. Mama got lots of Dobbies today. Dobbies galore. (laughs) Dobbies are thriving. Any fucking way. Oh, right. Who are we? (laughs) Wait, wait, did we already say who we were? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm Kenyon. (laughs) I'm Lucy. (laughs) I'm Dobby. (laughs) I'm Amanda. (laughs) And we're going to be really loopy today because we have a very special gals pick. Uh Uh-huh. We wanted to treat ourselves. Yeah, we're being pick-me gals today. <laughs> and so <laughs> we selected the topic of witch hunts. Mm-hmm. Not witch to be hunts. confused with witch cunts, like when you're asking which cunt did that cunty thing. Okay. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Common huh? mistake. <laughs> Yeah, in, in, the, in the Jacobson household. <laughs> Eternal question. Like Ladies fish pies. Sticks. <laughs> fish sticks. Fish sticks. Fish sticks. <laughs> I didn't think I could hate fish sticks even more. And now I do. I really hate fish sticks. <laughs> I love them. Along God. with shrimp poppers. Lucy had shrimp poppers for breakfast and I almost gagged. We had to record over lunch. I had a single stale and poorly baked sugar cookie. Oof. I have I'm only running on coffee. Yeah. Mm. Hence the Dobbies. Hence my Dobbies. <laughs> it's early. It's like 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've been up right. for a while. <laughs> God. So fucking witch hunts. Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for witch hunts? Well, we have a beautiful pairing today from Wink Wine Club, our amazing sponsor that is an online wine club that delivers wine directly to your door mm-hmm. <laughs> or your local Walgreens or mm-hmm. just across the border from Kentucky mm-hmm. in the free lands yeah. of Ohio. For real. Oh. It's Indiana, but okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, Ohio's <laughs> over there too somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. (laughs) So we are drinking the 2019 Fogland Cabernet. It had like a delightfully witchy label. Is there like storm waters on the label? That is so perfect for my case. A lot of droning. For some reason, the TV just turned on. 
Maybe it was that a was witch. creepy. Queer eye just started blaring. Oh, that's witchy. Actually, okay. So, quick anecdote: when my mom was here and we were doing tarot readings, mm-hmm. and we got to her final card, which was a positive card for her outcome, and it, mm-hmm. and we were like chanting victory, and we mm-hmm. did this. The Netflix show we had the fireplace on in the background, and it had like an hour left to go, and it just switched off and went to the Netflix home screen. Ooh. Ew. Because we were like excited together and doing this. Energy you magic. You and technology. I know. You and your mom have weird currents. Electrical, whatever. Uh. Okay. That's anyway. All. Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> that's okay. So, yeah, she's a beaut and she is a Columbia Valley, Washington cab, which is kind of fun. We're not doing a California cab. And you can snag this puppy if you're a member of Wink Wine Club for $14.99. Great price. Oh. Great and if price point. Great mm-hmm. price point. And if you're not already a member of Wink Wine Club, you should head to trywink.com forward slash wine and crime special because we still have that special going. Love. I love them. So a little bit about this Fogland, which, no, I will not be opening because we are recording this on New Year's Eve. It's about 11 a.m. I've got a long day ahead of me and I'm not going to start getting drunk now. Yeah. And then fall asleep at 9.30 p.m. with right. like a half-open bag of chips and crumbs all over my face. Is it specific? I have yes. every intention of being in bed by 10 o'clock tonight. A thousand percent not me. <laughs> you have tasting notes of cherry, eucalyptus, pomegranate, Ooh. and rhubarb. Okay, Yum. I love so, that. Yeah, this is like a very classic... Washington State cab flavor profile because of the Washington terroir. Lots of trees. Yeah, so it's going to be a little fruitier. Humidity. Probably. I mean, Cabsov in particular is a grape that expresses where it's grown. So 2019 Fogland Cab is grown at the same latitude as the bold structured wines of Bordeaux. It's worlds away from that style, however. From vineyards in the rain uh, rain shadow of the Cascade Mountains, this medium-bodied red gives a new world flair to this French grape. Notes of bright red fruit and lush plum are balanced by eucalyptus and spice with a fine-grained tannin finish. It's a lip-smacking red that would be a delight to drink with lamb burgers, burned witches, and za'atar spiced roasted carrots. <laughs> Delish. <laughs> she clocks it at 14% ABV. This is a low sulfur and low sugar wine, which I love. And it finishes nice and dry. And it's just like a little more of a medium to light bodied cab, which is super fun. I can't get over how perfect the label is for my case. I'm very apt about that. I'm definitely going to pop this bottle later tonight, but for now, I'm going to crack this strawberry mango sparkling water so we have something to sip on. Are we ready? Yeah. Oh, Oh, nice crack. crack. Nice crack. (laughs) I'm also drinking a caffeinated sparkling water. Plain. Right? Plain water. Mm. Cheers. Good morning. Fucking yum. (laughs) Fucking refreshing. Fucking last day of 2021. Oof. As we record this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. I'm ready. All right. Well, La, what is our background and maybe psych for witch hunts? I suppose we could count some of this as psych. Hmm. So I did cover a lot of witchy background in episode 110, Not a Witch Crimes, Mm -hmm. which was one of our Boston live shows in 2018. 
So if you're craving more witchy info, you should head on back and give that a listen. That was great app. I just a for fair warning here, I did a kind of a deep dive into this because okay. my lover, Britannica, had a whole lot of very interesting information. So All most right. of my notes are from said lover. I um, be your lover. Oh, take a number. <laughs> so a witch hunt can refer either to a searching out for persecution of persons accused of witchcraft or the searching out and deliberate harassment of those such as political opponents with unpopular views, a.k.a. the sad little orange man. Yeah, it's mm. not it's a, a witch, witch hunt, hunt if you actually did the crimes you're being accused of. Lope. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be talking about the political aspect of this because, frankly, every time I say the word witch hunt in like a political context, I hear it in Trump's yeah. voice. Yeah. Right. And right. I fucking can't. Yeah. Yep. Fair so, enough. witchcraft and sorcery date back basically to the dawn of humanity since it very frequently served to explain scientific phenomena that we just didn't quite have a grasp of. And I fully get it after we went and witnessed the, the eclipse. eclipse. The eclipse. eclipse. The solar eclipse. Oh, that was the hands down most dramatic actual Incredible experience, experience of my life. Yeah, and it, we, we all three of us, it was me, Lucy, and Scott, we we holed up in a graveyard in Tecumseh, Nebraska. And then afterward, we were like, oh, we get why, like, religion and sorcery exist because we have all the science in the world to explain what just happened, and we still, like, can't it, wrap our fucking heads around it. It was, it was mind-blowing. Yeah. And I can't imagine the terror that oh. countless people felt when that happened seemingly out of fucking nowhere because they didn't so know. so scary. So scary. It was scary knowing what was going on. I almost <laughs> sacrificed children that day. We were this <laughs> To appease the gods. Yeah. Just in case. You never know. You never know. Okay. Maybe more kids where that came from. I know, right? <laughs> If only we can't sacrifice more. Overpopulation is a huge problem. <laughs> there We're are helping you out. Too many people. <laughs> We're saving too money. Many. You're saving money. <laughs> okay. So, quote, although accusations of witchcraft in contemporary cultures provide a means to express or resolve social tensions, these accusations had different consequences in pre-modern Western society where the mixture of irrational fear and a persecuting mentality led to the emergence of witch hunts. Mm-hmm. In the 11th century, attitudes toward witchcraft and sorcery began to change, so it was previously not considered as necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It was basically just like science, <laughs> you know? It was like, well, that's medicine. Yeah. Right. It works. <laughs> so take your salve. Yeah. <laughs> Herbalist in the woods. So this change was a process that would radically transform the Western perception of witchcraft and associate it with heresy and the devil. Mm-hmm. By the 14th century, fear of heresy and of Satan had added charges of diabolism to the Love. usual great word to the usual indictment of witches, maleficium, maleficium, maleficium. Do you know that for sure? Yeah, mm. maleficium. Sounds better as maleficium, but I'll like I'll go maleficent. With it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is malevolent sorcery. It was this combination of sorcery and its association with the devil that made Western witchcraft unique. I have to sneeze. Hold on. Ooh. Oh, it's the witch. You have to release the devil within. Mm-hmm. The devil within. Oh, 
Get my I puppet. saw Goody Lucy sneeze out the devil. <laughs> I can't ah. do it. <gasps> Distracted. The devil is tripped. The Satan. Satan pushed it back up. Back up my nose. <laughs> what is that the, in The Simpsons that you have to say, bless you? You Millhouse says, like, will you sneeze out demons? And then you say, bless you to cram them back into your face. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. That adds up. That yeah. tracks. From the 14th through the 18th century, we see the stereotypical witch characteristics and behaviors emerge through folklore. So mm-hmm. witch, witches repudiated Jesus Christ. They made pacts with the devil, sold their souls for his assistance, employed demons to accomplish magical deeds, and desecrated the crucifix and the consecrated bread and wine of the Eucharist. Wow. All those all sound like fun activities. I know, right? <laughs> oh, get it gets, off my nut. It gets better. They flew around at night to attend orgies and what? changed shapes. They had animal familiars, aka pets, calm down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they kidnapped and murdered children for the purpose of eating them or rendering their fat for magical ointments. Listen. Basically just hocus pocus. You gotta do what you gotta do. They didn't have chapstick. Times what are you gonna do? Yeah. Just die. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously all of this is bullshit. <sighs> Although there were certainly people who practiced sorcery and witchcraft with malevolent purposes, probably, most definitely, and even people who were fully worshiping Satan, in reality, nobody ever fit the mold of what everyone was afraid witches were doing, Mm because, again, it's all bullshit. Right. Quote, nonetheless, the witches' crimes were defined in law. Excellent combo Mm -hmm. of church and state. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. The witch (laughs) hat mix. How could it go wrong? Mm -hmm. The witch hunts varied enormously in place and time, but they were united by a common and coherent theological and legal worldview. Local priests and judges, though seldom experts in either theology or law, were nonetheless part of a culture that believed in the reality of witches as much as modern society believes in the reality of molecules. Mm -hmm. So there was like. No room for skepticism. Like this yeah. was, it was a what given. was happening. Yeah, yeah. The witches yeah. existed. The devil existed. He mm-hmm. took a form. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it was yep. fact. All true fact. Black and white. Mm-hmm. Because so much of the centuries of witch hysteria was based on folklore, social anxieties, and paranoia, researchers began to study how much of any of this stuff, so being actual witchcraft, witch hunts, torture, trials, accusations, prosecutions, executions, etc. So they were studying like how how much this actually happened from an anthropological perspective in like the 1960s and 70s. Wow. They were looking specifically at Roman Catholic and Protestant cultures in Western Europe. So that's going to be the majority of what we're talking about today. The charge of maleficium was super common because anyone could accuse anyone else of witchcraft with no evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just one of all, the. Yeah, it was just people fucking saying shit. Oh, we will get to it, I am certain. <laughs> one of the accusations that I read about was a guy who accused his female neighbor of witchcraft after he woke up with a headache after a night of heavy drinking. Uh, Yeah, it's her fucking fault that he's hungover. I get that. Mm-hmm. Just stupid shit like that all the time. Like, yeah. that's fair. It blames mm-hmm. the women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like any time 
like your cow gets sick. It's mm-hmm. like, well, cows get sick. I don't know. It's got, but no, it's got to be That sounds like heresy to me. And yeah. she has a Shut your a whore mole. Off. There's a, a mole on her body. Well, so I'm obviously. sold. We'll get to the Say moles. no mole. <laughs> <laughs> so, quote, the most common suspicions concerned livestock, your sick mm-hmm. cows, Crops, storms, disease, property and inheritance, sexual dysfunction or rivalry, family feuds, marital discord, step-parents, sibling rivalries, and local politics. Mm-hmm. Maleficium was a threat not only to individuals but also to public order for a community racked by suspicions about witches could split asunder. Mm-hmm. You don't say. Let no man asunder. split asunder. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder the term witch hunt has entered common political parlance to describe such campaigns as that of the late Senator Joseph McCarthy in his attempt to root out communists in the United States in the 1950s. Yet another evil that Wisconsin has unleashed upon the world. (laughs) (laughs) I always forget that. Holy shit. Really, guys, lock it up. Keep your (laughs) shit to yourselves. God. Build that wall around Wisconsin. (laughs) I will fund that camera. (laughs) I want it to be a dome, though, because you can't just Mm. fly in and out. Mm. Yeah. Also, soon announcing our our Wisconsin live show locations. (laughs) I know. We had to tell our we had to tell our agent. You know, maybe plan a smaller venue for any Wisconsin live shows because we've alienated a lot of folks. <laughs> Milwaukee is beautiful, though. I do like Love Milwaukee. It. Love mm-hmm. Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So beyond the maleficium of Western Europe, we see a lot of accusations of quote trafficking with evil spirits in other parts of the world. So in the Near East, so it would be ancient Mesopotamia, Syria, Canaan, and Palestine. Belief in the existence of evil spirits was universal so that both religion and magic were thought to be needed to appease, offer protection from, or manipulate these spirits. So spirits in general weren't necessarily evil in a lot of these cultures, so they were just kind of there. So it was not part of it. It wasn't the same black and white good and bad as it was in Western Europe, for example. Well, it's so funny because in Christianity, if you think about it, there are plenty of spirits, but everyone's like, well, angels are fine. Mm -hmm. If you see angels and you're talking to angels, then that's fine. You're good. But if you see spirits. Oh, spirit. Angels are fucked up, too. Like, they're covered in eyeballs. They're terrifying. Foul. They're not cute. They're foul. Oh, my God. In Greco-Roman civilizations, you had a lot of groups sacrificing animals, meeting at night, having orgies, drinking, all the same shit, but that was, like, fun All the fun and stuff. fine. Yeah. Us every week doing this podcast <laughs> minus the animal sacrifice. Animals. <laughs> well, we kind of hold up Ray in a sacrificial way. <laughs> yeah, where is he? Barfing in the other room, probably. Probably making his own sacrifice to the gods. (laughs) Of ghost face. Yeah. (laughs) So these behaviors eventually morphed into a pretty standard set of bizarre accusations, including the sacrifice of children made Mm -hmm. by various groups, such as the Syrians against the Jews in Hellenistic Syria in the second century BCE. So that was a very Mm -hmm. early one. 
by the Romans against the Christians, by early Christians against heretics and Jews, by later Christians against witches, and as late as the 20th century by Protestants against Catholics. Oh, and also by the alt-right against the Hollywood liberal elite because cheese pizza is never just cheese pizza. It stands (laughs) for child (laughs) prostitution or whatever CP is supposed to be. Oh my God. That's a legit claim that they Just a perfect garbage cocktail of like anti-Semitism, misogyny, and like Christian Mm pre-science, like secular bonkers. Like nothing is new. Nothing is new. I go off on a complete mental breakdown in the middle of my notes and you will know it when you hear it. I just started (laughs) typing like this, (laughs) ramming coffee down my throat at 8.30 this morning, screaming into my computer, (laughs) running on four hours of sleep. (laughs) Hence the Dobbies. My Dobbies. (laughs) (laughs) So these hostilities were generally directed towards marginalized groups. No Mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. Labeled as heretics or really just others. Mm -hmm. This pattern really began to take shape between the years 1050 and 1300, which was also an era of enormous reform, reorganization, and centralization in both the ecclesiastical and secular aspects of society an important aspect of which was suppressing dissent. Mm. So obviously on both sides of that, we just want, really want to clamp down on mm-hmm. those heretics. Mm-hmm. All that free thought. I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. Don't no. like it. It's not nope. good for the not state. Good. It's or not the good. church. It's really mm-hmm. not good Basically for the, the church. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The visible role played by women in some heresies during this period may have contributed to the stereotype of the witch as female. Super. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The reformations of the 16th century also prompted a resurgence because people were more inclined during this time to value personal piety over the goodwill of the community. So they were more, I guess, selfish, Mm -hmm. self-interested. So they were more likely to be like, well, my neighbor's a heretic because she's an old bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Get rid of that old bitch. And I want to buy, I want her property. I want her cow. I want her her sick cow. Yeah. 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 So things were very black and white, good and bad, and people were not fucking around during Mm -hmm. this time. Literacy was also spreading, and people were reading the Bible more and also interpreting it more literally rather than listening to sermons that had, like, you know, editorializing more or less. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literacy is the downfall of society, let me tell you. Well, (laughs) we turn it around. We turn it around. Just listen to what... The, the people who can read tell you, believe it with no questions <laughs> asked, mm-hmm. and everything will be fine. Or better yet, be forced to attend three hours of church right. multiple times a week, but make right. sure that everything said in that church is in a language that you don't understand. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see the problem. The old-fashioned way. Body language here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> body then language Don't incest. underestimate the importance of... Body language. The whole, the whole like Old Testament is just an interpretive dance. <laughs> oh, I love this part. Men don't really like a lot of blabber. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, more literacy, more book publishing, 
And also lots of books about Satan's power and guarding against heresy were being spread around. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. just Bible stuff. It was people reading the Bible, having their own interpretations of Bible Bible fanfic. fanfic. Oh, my God. The downfall of society. It really was Old Testament fanfic. Ooh. The first witch trial, and so we can assume witch hunt, is believed to have occurred around 1300. By 1435, they really got going and witch hunts were happening all over the place. Mm -hmm. By the end of the 15th century, a couple things happened that put gasoline on the proverbial fire. Mm -hmm. Pope Innocent VIII published an article about witchcraft as Satanism and the worst possible heresy. So he was like, this is the worst thing you can do. Mm Mm-hmm. We will kill you for it. Mm, And then some. Mm -hmm. And Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Sprenger published a piece called The Hammer of Witches, which blamed witchcraft almost entirely on women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Deeply Uh misogynist. So that did Mm -hmm. a lot to propel people's thoughts in that lovely direction. Yeah. There were several ways in which the courts would determine whether or not someone was a witch. I love this. And full disclosure, I was going to try to administer like a Salem sex check. <laughs> but it was a lot. It was a lot of like perfect prayer reading and then like a lot of physical challenges. It's not like a fun quiz. So yeah. I I It's booted, not a mostly bees. It's not a mostly no. bees. So no. I booted that from my seg. So thank and you. None Lucy. of us would pass. Oh my god. No. 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 Mm -mm. Okay. So also trigger warning, this gets a bit violent. Mm -hmm. Local courts were a lot more severe than regional or superior courts, often employing, quote, crude practices such as pricking witches to see whether the devil had desensitized them to the pain. Mm -hmm. Also pricking people to see how much or how little they bled. And that would be an indication of whether they were, like, infected by Satan. Ugh. Um, Also, I would pass that test because, like, don't fucking prick me. (laughs) Yeah. Every scream. I will scream. (laughs) (laughs) They would search for the devil's mark, which could be an oddly shaped mole or wart. I'd be fucked. Oh, so fucked. I'm covered in moles. Covered. Yeah. And your wart. And my wart. I know, which is mostly cleared up. Okay, we don't oh, need to see. Oh, it's okay. okay. Right. I have to minimize my chat window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Or they would test for swimming, which mm-hmm. was throwing the accused into a pond. If she sank, she was innocent because the water accepted her. Yeah, mm. it was believed that if they were a witch, they would be evil mm-hmm. and the water would reject them and therefore mm-hmm. they would float. float. And that, so you're dead either way. Yeah, you're you dead float, either way. They're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And if you, right. you sink, they're like, oh, good. Yep. Yeah. And, and then it. it's not like they could like easily dive to get you no. if you sunk. And also, you're fucked. Your your hands and feet are tied. Yeah, and you're you in can't clothes. Mm-hmm. Heavy Lots skirts. Of clothes. You're even if you're buoyant, you're gonna sink. Yeah, yeah. That's just murder. Mm-hmm. It's not a test. It's just murder. And that mm-hmm. was not classified as a form of torture. It was nope. just no. That was a test, as, like a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. We'll get to the torture right now. 
Capital punishment and torture were used to get the names of supposed accomplices, frequently leading to a horrific chain of accusations. Mm -hmm. As described in an article from the Daily Mail UK. Love. Torture might include, as in the example of Galis Duncan, a Scottish teenager. Who is a character in Outlander. Oh, fun. Galis Duncan. I don't watch that show. Spoiler alert, she's dead. (laughs) Whatever. It's a Um, fictional book. Okay. Galus Duncan was a Scottish teenager in 1590, and they employed the use of a pillywinks, which is not as cute as it sounds. Tiddlywinks. A pillywinks is a thumb screw that was used to crush her fingers. Oh, Until they splintered. (gasps) No. Like, really crushed her fingers. Oh. There's no coming back from that. Oh, no. no, She doesn't come back. There's no healing of that. She doesn't come back. Quote, after being thrawed with a rope, I didn't look that up, Twisted around her head, she was stripped naked and her head and body were shaved. Her tormentors claimed to have found the devil's mark on her throat. Another local woman... After they, like, choked her? Yeah. Like, bitch, it's a bruise. You (laughs) fucking choked me. Yeah. Another local woman, Agnes Sampson, was subjected to sleep deprivation while being kept pinned to the wall of her cell by a witch's bridle... Which was an oh iron God. an iron contraption that forced four sharp prongs into her mouth. Nope. So she was being held there by her mouth. Mm-mm. Once again, I'm just going to say that it sucks that we're not in control of like when you're in that situation, you can't just be like, I'm done. I opt yeah. out. I would like to expire now. Right. You know, like right. in well, those extreme physical situations. Oh, I would choose, I would also choose death if given the choice. That is Well, most of them did by false confessions. Right. Was essentially the Mm -hmm. only way out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to end it. Mm -hmm. Dr. John Fionn, a schoolmaster, was also caught up in the witch-finding frenzy. His fingernails were ripped off and iron pins inserted in in their place. His fingers were also crushed by the pillywinks and his legs trapped by the boot. Pillywinks would be a great cat name. It really would, but really. I like tambourine well. better. Well, tambourine yeah. was a great call. Thank mm-hmm. you. I don't know how you came up with that, but it was genius. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. Even a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while. <laughs> okay, so the boot is a metal frame designed to crush the shin bone, and it's often applied Red hot. Nope. 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 All three of these poor people were executed. Their bodies garroted to a stake at the top of a pyre and then burned. Nope. Very over the top. Most of them were killed before they were burned. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were only burned because they were afraid that they'd, like, come back to life. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, for example, one executed woman was buried, quote, in a wooden box weighed down by a huge stone slab, lest she rise from her grave to make mischief. Only mm. Jesus is allowed to do that. Only yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just drinking. <laughs> witch. I know. She's okay. a witch. She needs water. She's she a witch. She turned me into a newt. A um, newt? Okay. I got better. <laughs> 
So I was surprised by kind of a lot of things that I learned in this article, one of which was that during the Inquisition, which I would assume would be like height of torture for heretics in particular, Mm -hmm. witch trials actually became less common. And this was because of the strict rules and structure of the judicial system, plus increasingly skeptical judges. For example, they would seek to determine whether there were any there was any prejudice in the accusations in the first place. They also didn't allow for naming of accomplices either uh, under torture or not. Okay. They were it, like, "We have rules. It's still bad, but we have rules and standards." Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and they could just burn heretics. Right. They had plenty of people to burn. Mm. Yeah. They also required third-party reviews of every statement, and if a person was convicted, the courts were more likely to sentence one to whipping, banishment, or house arrest for first-time offenders rather than death. Hmm. So, Inquisition, kind of a better time to be an accused witch. Oh, my I mean, you could, be acu- <laughs> you could be accused of a lot of things and still killed. I know. I'm just saying. That was kind of surprising. And also, like, being thrown into, like, these horrific prisons and, like, not fed and not being able to bathe and, you know, whatever and, like, being exposed to disease and stuff, not considered torture. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's, that's still happening now. Mm-hmm. Well, in the American prison system. Mm-hmm. At least there are no pillywinks involved. Mm. By the late 16th century, witch hunts were gradually chilling out. This was partly because, like, by now everyone had been accused of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And the leaders of society were like, well, being accused of witchcraft kind of sucks for me. So Mm -hmm. let's collectively move on to something else. Yeah. People were also sick of religious wars and state-sanctioned torture, plus even more widespread literacy led to a bit more critical thinking and skepticism just overall. Are you so, sure by the late 16th century? So I feel like in what England my and said in England in mine and Scotland, it was the 17th century and it, yeah. It was ramping back up. You can Maybe check it, my sources if you want to. Okay. Yeah, cuz all of my stuff happened in the 17th century and it was like wide spread. Yeah. Yeah, same. Okay. Well, like do you want 16, me to look it up? No, no I, I don't care. I'm, I'm, my stuff just happens in like the 1670s, basically. Mm-hmm. This is when things started to settle down. And it's, my stuff's it's not, not happening. Like it, it's not like it ended overnight. Right. It ramped up over like three or four hundred years, and now we're cooling off over like mm-hmm. three or four hundred years too. Mm-hmm. So it began to be essentially decriminalized. Like people were just kind of like, hey, okay. Starting to be like, what, like whatever. We don't really mm-hmm. care anymore on a state level. Mm-hmm. About 75% of witch hunts in Europe happened in Western Germany, Belgium, the Netherlands, France, Northern Italy, and Switzerland. Whereas Spain, Portugal, and Southern Italy were a lot more chill about things. <laughs> when Spanish colonists came to the Americas, there were some skirmishes there too. I mean, they're... they're for the first time confronting these civilizations they have absolutely no knowledge of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the easiest thing for them to do would be to call them all witches. And mm-hmm. You're lots, different lots, lots from of me. That stuff, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Witch. And, and, of course, we have the Salem witch trials, but really in the grand scheme of the whole history of witch hunts, that was like a blip. An end note. Like yep. a very small scale and pretty late in the game. 
Yeah, right. it was like nothing compared to what was going on around like Europe. Yeah. Right. Shit was bonks. <laughs> it also just like happened in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And really only 19 people were executed, so it wasn't Again, a, a, a short-lived just, we, and pretty minor. We just have a lot of information about it. Exactly. So that's why it has kind of stuck in the consciousness. Well, especially to Americans. Right. right. Contemporary witch hunts have been reported in sub-Saharan Africa and Papua New Guinea, and official legislation against witchcraft is currently on the books in Saudi Arabia and Cameroon. So that's great. Well, that's interesting. Cover all your bases, just in case. So this article, like I said, debunks a lot of assumptions that I and probably a lot of people have had about witch hunts. Although we tend to assume the worst in numbers when it comes to witch hunts throughout history. But the numbers actually indicate that no more than about 110,000 people in total were tried for witchcraft. And no more than 40,000 to 60,000 people were executed, which is still a, a lot, but it wasn't like, like the Holocaust. Time. Yeah. Right. Right. And while we don't know the exact reasons behind witch hunts, this article outlines a few things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Most scholars agree that the prosecutions were not driven by political or gender concerns. They were not attacks on backward or rural societies They did not function to express or relieve local tensions. They were not a result of the rise of capitalism or other macroeconomic changes. They were not the result of changes in family structure or in the role of women in society. And they were not an effort by cultural elites to impose their views on the populace. These were just like effective side effects of these witch hunts. I'll keep going. Yeah, you're not wrong. Moreover, the evidence does not indicate a close correlation between socioeconomic tension and witchcraft, though agrarian crises seem to have had some effect. Although the proportions varied according to religion and time, on the whole, about three-fourths of convicted witches were female. Women were certainly more likely than men to be economically and politically powerless, but that generalization is too broad to be helpful, for if it holds true for societies in for it holds true in societies in periods where witchcraft is absent. Right. The malevolent sorcery more often associated with men, such as harming crops and livestock, was rarer than it was ascribed to women. Young women were sometimes accused of infanticide, but midwives and nurses were not particularly at risk. Older women were more frequently accused of casting malicious spells than were younger women, Because they had more, I love this, because they had more time to establish a bad reputation. And the process (laughs) from suspicion to conviction often took so long that a woman might have aged considerably before the charges were actually advanced. Also, like older women, like as a society, we are, you know, prejudiced against. We're ageist. We're not virgins. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have any value there. They're There's more no likely more to be reproductive capacity. They're more mm-hmm. likely to be single. Right. Single, maybe or ill, widowed, ugly, like, you mm-hmm. know, like, yeah. you know, by all the societal things that standards. assign value to right. you as a woman right. are deteriorating as you age. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to answer. I get it. I support it. <laughs> get rid of us. To answer Amanda's question. Explanations of witch hunts are so diverse and complicated that we really can't ascribe a handful of specific reasons behind them. Mm 
-hmm. The only thing we can really say with certainty is that they were consistent with the prevailing worldview of the intelligent, educated, and powerful. Mm -hmm. It's literally the only string that ties every single instance Yeah, the cultural elites were like, it like uh, witch hunting was like their hobby, mm-hmm. their interest. It was mm-hmm. like a trend. Mm-hmm. And so this happened. Yep. So that is my very long segment. Cool. Well, Loved it was it. fascinating. Well done. Thanks. Brill. Brill. Thanks. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Yes, let's. What would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? What wouldn't I I do? I fantasize about this all the time. Uh, (laughs) And with Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life. Make that fantasy a reality. Oh, yes. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, yes please, (laughs) over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. So rather than looking at credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You don't even have to think about it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. It's amazing. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com gals. That's upstart.com gals. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Upstart.com slash gals and treat your financial wellness. Treat it. It's a new year, people. And you know, the best thing about New Year's is starting fresh, starting from scratch. And maybe this year you've got some resolutions. You want to be kinder to yourself. Maybe you want to work out regularly. Maybe you just need to prioritize that self-care Whatever it is, you know, you got to start with comfort and higher standards for comfort. For me personally, we got to we got to just treat ourselves this year. 2022 is the year to do right by yourself. Third Love knows comfort and fit are essential to feeling your best, which is why they designed their kinetic sports bra to support you every step of the way. It is unmatched comfort, people. So it's great support for your high-intensity workouts and your casual weekend errands. It's available in 22 sizes for flawless fit, support, and comfort. It's got a back closure. It's got adjustable straps. It's got high-performance design, and it's available in an array of colors. So my bra drawer is chock full of Third Love. I absolutely love it. I got lopsided boobs, and there are a number of bras from Third Love that fit me very well. I don't get that gap, the, the cup gapage situation on my smaller boob. There's no bulging on the bigger boob. They have so many different size options that however your gals lay, there's a third love bra for you. Third love does comfort so you can do you. Their bras, underwear, activewear, and feel good all day wear are designed to hug better, hold stronger, and support longer. Third Love obsesses over each stitch so you never have to think about how something feels, how it looks, how it wears. 
the 100,000 five-star reviews do not lie. And I gotta say, they have this new lace design. It's called their Deco Lace. It comes in a scoop bra, a bodysuit, underwear, all sorts of stuff. It is so, so, so cute. I'm stocking up and you might wanna check it out too. So Third Love also offers the perfect fit promise. You're gonna love your fit guaranteed and if you don't, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days so there's no risk. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are available via chat or text to answer all of your questions, be that about style, about fit, about what size is best for you based on your breast shape, your current fit issues. It's remarkable. They really take all of uh, the vast array of styles of boobies into account when they design their bras. It's fantastic. So feeling is believing. Upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash gals. And Trisha Bod. Are we ready for my case? Yes. Sure. Hunt me. I, I had to choose this based on my favorite album of all time, Wizard Women of the North. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah, my favorite. Which I listened to while writing my notes at two in the morning last night. And Zach was like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, you are not well. <laughs> Put on your hat. So everybody, it's on Spotify now. So go check out Wizard Women of the North. And it's the best. Ever. I don't have to because you two have sung all of it to me, as has Scott. <laughs> as has my nightmares. <laughs> it's too good. Okay, so Varda is a rural town situated at the extreme northeasternmost tip of Norway. Mm-hmm. And you gotta go look at a photo of the map because... okay. You are not going to believe where this bitch is. It's a lot of photos in here. Wow. Do you fucking see where that is? It's just an iceberg off the coast. Yeah. Iceberg right ahead. Right ahead. Is anyone alive out there? Yeah. We're talking Santa's workshop North Pole shit where this is. And this general area is kind of known as, or was known as Finnmark, because Mm -hmm. it's like Norway, it's like Finland's hat Mm -hmm. above, but it's part of Norway, whatever. So fun fact, Varda is actually more Eastern than even St. Petersburg, Russia, or Istanbul, Turkey. Because of how far North it is, and how it like curves. Cool. Mm -hmm. Isn't that bizarre? Maps, Maps are, are wild. wild. <laughs> and we have, we've, but like they actually are because yeah. th- most of the maps, at least in, a, in the U.S. education system that we grew up learning are like wildly inaccurate and center yeah. the United States. Yeah. Yeah. I took, a, a, I took a geography class in yeah. college. Yeah. And we studied all sorts of maps and they're mind bending. Yep. Like it's the like, map we as Americans know is pop up totally in our brain distorted. As the map is just wrong. Yeah, it's I, the wrong map. I stole a map from one of my classrooms in China, and it's like it's very different from our standard mm-hmm. maps here. Oof. So this area is also comprised of numerous small islands and has icebergs and has been home to indigenous Sami fishing communities since the Stone Age. 
Mm-hmm. And then later medieval Norwegians built like an important border fortress there, which has become known as the Vardahus Castle. Love. Bless you. As the Panakuken Hus. Gesundheit. Gesundhus. So today Varda remains extremely remote. It is a 24 plus hour car ride from Oslo. Good lord. And Norway's not even that big. No. It's just like you gotta wind through a lot it's, of fjord mountain to get there. I it's bet. really fucking far from everything. And I would imagine you probably have to take ferries at some oh, point yeah. with your car. So it's just yikes. there are flight and ferry options, but it's still fucking hard to get to in 2021. Yeah. I yeah, love yeah. that. Oh, we have to go. Yeah. We're doing a show there. We're doing a Varda show. <laughs> You're going to actually want to when, by the time I get to the end of my I'm, I already want to. I love Norway. So this remains a small, isolated community, even in modern times. Now, just imagine how isolated it must have felt back in the early 17th century. Yeah, when you could only walk there by, like, existing ice Reindeer. <laughs> yeah. Literally reindeer. They literally- Flying reindeer. Reindeer was, like, their main livestock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we don't have exact population figures from this period, go figure, but historians estimate that roughly 3,000 people resided in the entire Finnmark region at this time. That's still more than I was expecting. Well, the whole region. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like in in a place that would be so hard to survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. It surprises me that even that many people spanned that region, right? In, yeah. in the 1600s. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. But it was also like one person to every six thousand reindeer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wildly, wildly outnumbered by reindeer. And in the village of Varda, specifically, not more than a hundred and fifty people. Perfect. And again, that is exactly how many people I want in my community. (laughs) No more than 150. Mm, 15. Again, again, this population was a mix of Norwegian Christians and indigenous Sami peoples who lived together side by side. They intermarried. It was there were some, you know, separations and differences, but there was also like a lot of coexistence and and it was pretty harmonious. Pretty peaceful. Yeah. 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 But then on Christmas Eve 1617. When all bad things happen. While most of the able-bodied men in the community were out to sea fishing, a great storm arose all of a sudden. (gasps) Scary. Contemporary reports claim that the winds were so violent that, quote, the sea and the sky became one. Oh, Oh, God. Huge waves are my Mm. absolute nightmare. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. And eyewitnesses said that the storm happened almost without warning, quote, as if loosened from a bag. Ew. It just like I mean, everything's gonna happen without warning in the sixteen hundred like you know how to track like weather patterns and certain things like you that. You can see a storm rolling and in from the ocean and, though. Sure, but right. like it's not like you have you know, the National Weather Service telling well, you to no. go in your if basement. If this is an oh, eyewitness testimony, then clearly they have what usually works, and this super did not fit exactly. Well, all exactly. these people would not have been out to sea fishing if they had any inclination that a right. major storm was coming. was coming. Like, it just, yeah. it happened very suddenly, and they're attuned to the weather as best they can right. be. Uh-huh. So as a result, 40 local fishermen drowned. Ooh. 
and ten fishing boats That's were like sunk. That's like half the it's community. Like third, le- way less than that. It's but it's, almost, it's a lot. It's it's every single fisherman, adolescent, man. and adult man, including yeah. the fucking pastor. Mm-hmm. Who is basically like Who's the also mayor a and the governor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's believed that practically every single family or every single family in the area lost at least one loved one, you know, fathers, sons, mm-hmm. husbands, uh. everything. A folk song from the period goes, quote, on the 10 boats were 40 men, some married and others mere boys. Then was heard great cries of woe among fatherless children and widows low. Oh, oh. Is that a Wizard 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 Women of the North song? I don't know because wizard, all the songs wizard are in song. Norwegian, and so yeah. I don't know what they're saying. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Can assume maybe. Yes. Panakuken, yes. <laughs> Panakuken, maybe. Pretty safe to say that that folk song also like summons your reindeer herd from the yeah, hills, probably. though too. Yeah, <laughs> it doubles. <laughs> Okay. Oh, no. 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 She's a witch. She is a witch. <laughs> oh, my God. Someone just ran off the road listening to this. We, Dogs are going berserk. Yeah, we need to be careful. We don't want to harm our listeners. I'm a witch. I'm a witch. So after such a terrible communal tragedy... Human nature is such that people often tend to seek someone to blame. Mm-hmm. And so rumors began to spread that perhaps witches were to blame for calling the storm into being because it I mean, seemed I to happen it. so suddenly. Yeah, that's fair. That's so early. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. So earlier that same year, the Danish Norwegian King Christian IV, who was an avid witch hunter, had published a decree defining a witch as someone who was bonded or consorted with the devil Mm. and pressed district governors to crack down on the, quote, sorcery and witchcraft practiced by the local Sami population. Okay. And the king was like, you know, don't show them any mercy. Get them. Yeah. So basically the indigenous Sami's traditional pagan beliefs and practices were reviled by the Christian authorities and Sami men in particular were supposed to practice sorcery using their ceremonial rune drums, which are super cool. And there are some photos of them on the drive as well. Ooh. Oh, wow. Cool. Cute. Yeah, so they had, like, shamans, and I wish I had more time to get into the the Sami stuff. It's very, very cool. So it was also kind of generally believed throughout Europe at the time that, quote, evilness could be found in the north. Got it. Yep. And that this wild area was, like, the outskirts of Christendom, and there were, like, crazy north winds, and that was actually the devil's breath. Mm. And And they also, like, lived among indigenous people with different cultures. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was just like, and traders would, you know, be like sailing through there to like get between like Russia and the rest of Europe and there would be like storms and Mm -hmm. it was fucking cold and dark and lots of shipwrecks. Yeah. Must be witches. Yeah. Right. Got it. Mm -hmm. So, quote, word spread that Norway had the most notorious witches. Cool. I love that. Meanwhile, local church leaders in Norway, you know, meanwhile, the local population of Norwegian Christians is like hella fucking Christian. Mm. And the only way they can like hang out together 
in communities is to like go to church. Right. Everything was centered around church. So the church leaders are railing against witchcraft and Satan from their pulpits weekly. So everybody's on high alert looking for witches. Right. Mm -hmm. It also probs didn't help that everyone was dealing with this collective shipwreck trauma. Yeah. It's like mass death event. Lots going on. And then in the winter, the sun doesn't rise. Yeah. For like months at a time, Uh, there's no sunlight. Yeah. That's tough stuff. I knew, obviously, I knew that like the daylight hours would be shorter, but up here for like two months a year, there's no sun. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. like a gl- like some light on the horizon for like a couple of hours, but it's, it's not like direct like, sunlight. But like mm-hmm. not even like literally, there's there's no time all. for a sunrise. Uh, yeah. So Ugh. while the king's new anti sorcery, anti witchcraft law was issued in 1617, it took three years before this new law was brought up to Finnmark because that's how fucking isolated this community is. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So it shouldn't really be surprising that this dark, freezing tinderbox exploded in witchcraft accusations in the winter and spring of 1621. Basically, nothing else to do. As soon as they heard about this new witchcraft law, they were like, great. Boom, let's go. Cindy Lou Who. Yeah. You know, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Goody Santa with the devil. Yeah. They're just bored. They're bored as hell. Yeah. And terrified and traumatized and grieving. Yeah, yeah. So in, I get it. In January 1621, Mari Jurgen's daughter of Keyberg. Oh, I talk about her briefly. Really? In my case, because it sparks stuff in my case. Oh my God. So this is perfect. So bizarre. <laughs> was brought to the Vardahus castle and questioned. I don't know why she was picked out initially. I don't, there's not much information about why she was like the first one. And questioned undoubtedly under torture. She told her inquisitors that on Christmas Eve, as she was lying in her bed, the devil came to her side and asked if she would serve him. She agreed. And as a sign of their pact, he bit her hand in between her fingers, thereby leaving a devil's mark. He then instructed her to fly with him through the night sky and visit her friend, Kirsty Soren's daughter. Mm -hmm. (gasps) Lots of daughters. Oh, this is like They're the all story daughters. of the original American Girl dolls. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have I been even more into it. Yeah. If there had Impossible. been an American Girl doll that had been accused of witchcraft. witchcraft. Oh, my God. I'm confident we made up our own storylines for your yeah. American Girl doll that includes that. Oh, for that. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> So once there, she said that Kirsty cast a spell on Mari, turning her into a raven and sent her again flying, this time to the town of Leiderhorn near Bergen. But on the way, Raven Mari stopped at Baldvolden and partied with the Dark Lord, other witches, <laughs> and even a few, quote, troll devils. Yes. So, this sounds lit. Yeah. Uh, happy fucking New Year, y'all. <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas Eve. Let's do it. As a raven, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Drinking ale, dancing, and generally carousing, you know, through the night. But Mari's forced confession didn't end with her recounting of this witch's Sabbath. Mm. No, she also claimed that she and her fellow witches had cast the deadly Christmas Eve storm three years prior. Ooh, girl, you are walking a dangerous plank. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, she she was tortured. She was like, they were like, and did you cast any storms? And right. she was like, yes, yeah, fine. The, the big one. Stop tiddly winking my fucking yeah. fingers off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, quote, like stirred ashes, the sea's mighty froth was unleashed and people drowned. So God, we just don't talk like we used to. I know. So co-accused Elsa Knut's daughter was arrested after Gasp being seen in the company of black dogs and cats. Mm. Mm. Uh-oh. Lucy Lynch. would have been fucked. Oh. Yeah. I don't really care. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And she further <laughs> elaborated in court, quote, the spell, or not quote, the spell was cast by tying a piece of string into three knots, cursing and spitting upon it before untying the string. And that was that was supposed to call the storm into being. That was the spell. Okay. That's, That's all it took. Pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We could call that. We could call those corners. Oh, yeah. Anna Larzadotter seemed to have had a really great time partying with Satan at the Sabbath. She told her interrogators that she barely made it back home in time to get up for church on Christmas Day. <laughs> so long over. <laughs> Sorry, Sabbath ran long. Snuck back in through the downstairs sliders. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was my move as a teen. I know. Yeah, that's, that's every teen's move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the move. <laughs> Never have sliders. Always have sliders. Also, I'm hungry. So others confessed <laughs> to your standard Yum. evil doing, turning into cats, cursing people, sickening livestock, driving fish away from the shore so they, you know, couldn't catch enough fish, etc. Sure. The interrogators placed an emphasis on the accused naming other accomplices, and thus the witchcraft trials spread rapidly in clusters or, like, linked chains of panic. Mm -hmm. Because even after they confessed to whatever they said they did alone, Mm -hmm. they weren't left alone or free from torture until they named accomplices. Oh, yeah. So several of the convicted women pointed to Kirsty Soren's daughter as their group leader, uh, referring to her with the unmistakable nautical lingo of fishing communities as their admiral, mm. which I thought was very funny and admirable. I, don't you think that that's interesting? Like they yeah. have all this like nautical whatever, and they're like, she's our admiral. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But the fact that Kirsty was out of town at the time and in Bergen was probably a factor in these accusations because it was safer to accuse her because uh-huh. maybe she wouldn't, she'd hear about it and not come back and be saved. Right. Yeah, they so couldn't that, go scoop her up right away. Right. right. So that's Takes why. Takes eight years to get off this iceberg. <laughs> right. Probably save. <laughs> right. So I thought that, you know, people, they were trying to like. Right. Not Skirt the system. Yeah. But then she did come back. So upon her return to Varda after the holidays, she was immediately arrested, eventually tried in April 1621, and condemned and burned at the stake. Oh. So one common method to, quote, loose the tongues of the defiant accused was the ordeal by water, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Swimming. But keep in mind, this isn't just like a pond in rural England. It is. This is... (laughs) Arctic ocean, Arctic ocean, ocean in midwinter. Hi, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't survive this. No, in pitch darkness. Yeah, Ugh. I suspect this is a river, but it's raging. 
I still brag about how I like went swimming in the Atlantic off Normandy in March on like a warm, sunny day. Like and that. survived. <laughs> like, you know? That was recreational. Yeah. You weren't even being accused of witchcraft. I wasn't even tied and wearing skirts. You dipped skirts. one toe in in Florida and went, nope. Nope. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need it to be warm. I need a hot tub. Mm. So those that failed. Indoors. By floating. <laughs> yeah. And thus survived the ordeal knew that they would be sentenced to death no matter what. And yet the torture was still wildly effective because many recalcitrant defendants who, like, refused to confess up until then were broken by this ordeal. And then they would quickly confess and, like, implicate other people, even though they knew they were going to be killed no matter what. But they just didn't want to be tested again. Yeah. They didn't want to so be killed in that way. Right. Right. Oh, right. That's so gross. So people were also held in horrific conditions at the Vardahus Castle, which included a witch's hole. Mm-hmm. And at least two people died by torture before they could even be legally sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. Yikes. The preferred method of execution was burning at the stake, which is also fucking horrific. Mm-hmm. Well, 1621 was the year that the Finnmark witch hunts really kicked off. They would go on sporadically until 1692, which isn't that the year of the Salem witch hunts? Uh, I don't know. No, that's when Columbus discovered America. That's right. I thought that was 1492. 1492. Oh, right. Salem. <laughs> Some 92. Even I knew that. That's 1992. That was You're 1992. Thinking of, yeah, Salem was 1692. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if that's connected or not. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have They're pretty fucking far away from each other. Yeah. In total, 135 people would be accused of practicing witchcraft, two-thirds of of whom, so 91, were ultimately executed. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of the accused were Norwegian, i.e. Christian women, so 111 women versus 24 men accused. Mm -hmm. Obviously, misogyny played a big role in this skewed gender breakdown. Um, There was a common belief that while the men were out to sea for extended periods of time, their unruly women were, like, getting up to stuff back home. I mean, probably. (laughs) Lay off. Including, (laughs) quote, committing adultery with demons. Which is basically just masturbation. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I mean. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever works. (laughs) Yeah. But don't worry, racism was also at play. So, it always is. But of the tw- of the twenty four accused men, sixteen were Sami, mm-hmm. and only two of the men were subjected to the ordeal by water. Mostly women were subjected to that. But still, the overall outcomes for the Sami men were bleak. Thirteen of the sixteen were sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. Jesus! Wow. Six female children were also accused, but the one bright spot is that all of the children were eventually acquitted. So mm-hmm. that's something. I don't know. I mean, their moms yeah. were murdered horrifically in front of them, but whatever. And the children being acquitted does not mean that they were not victims of violence. Oh, they after were torched. the fact. Yeah. I mean, like because of their confessions, which we'll kind of get to that in my mm-hmm. case. Yeah. So beyond these facts, there's not a lot of surviving information about the victims' ages or socioeconomic status. Although, like, because it's such a small rural 
community, they're they're kind of it's kind of more equal mm-hmm. in terms of like money and status than it would be in like a city, you know. Mm-hmm. So like the, all of them, all of their husbands were like fishermen, you know. Yeah. Although the so-called admiral Kirsty Soren's daughter was married to a wealthy tradesman and was therefore higher status than many, which also might be why she was named as like the leader because she was probably the most educated. Mm-hmm. Kirsty also tried to take the bailiff down with her in yes, her confession, <laughs> so she was like, "Yeah, you know what? Weird. I saw good bailiff I, with I the saw devil. You there at the Sabbath, Mister Bailiff." That party was lit, and I know you were there. Yeah. You made jello shops. (laughs) Yeah, don't even Using reindeer hoof. (laughs) (laughs) But this accusation, unfortunately, didn't stick, and he escaped prosecution. Mm -hmm. But I love that effort. I would have been like, yeah, I saw all the judges. Yep, you were all there. I saw you. I saw you. And you were there, and you were there. And you were definitely there. (laughs) Oh, we made out. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'd cackle like that and then be put to death immediately. (laughs) So throughout the first three decades of the Varda Witch Trials, the district governor was actually a Scottish man named John Cunningham. And I think it's safe to say that he was strongly influenced by the Scottish King James I's obsession with witch hunting. So I don't mm-hmm. know if you mentioned the Hammer of Witches, that book. Mm-hmm. The but very like, misogynist one. Yeah. But King James I of Scotland was like a huge fucking witch hunter obsessive. And he wrote his own book. He was the one who those three people that I told you about were tortured under. Right. Mm. Like yeah. they had a big old explosion of yeah executions. He, he was a big old witch hunter. And so some people also referred to him by the nickname, the Hammer of Witches. Mm. Um, and so I thought it was interesting Weird. that the governor of this area was fucking Scottish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And came from that influence. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So 390 years after the first recorded witch trials in Varda, the Norwegian government unveiled a stunning memorial to its victims. So this was in 2011. This, I don't know how to say this, Stelneset Memorial was designed by Louise Bourgeois and Peter Zumthor. And you got to check out photos of this memorial. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's up there in Varda. The one with the flame, right? Like There's the eternal flame. flame. All these pictures of this building. Oh, that whole thing is the memorial? Is the memorial. Cool. It's very cool. And there's there's a lot to describe. Mm-hmm. And so I found this written description by Jill Beatty on uh, NorwegianAmerican.com. And she just did a better job describing it than I could. So, quote, On a windswept promontory, its jagged shoreline splintered by the crashing waves, over a picket fence of the local cemetery, you see Zumthor's creation in two distinct buildings. Memory Hall is a white textile cocoon suspended in a simple, long, cross-hatched structure made of untreated pine. Hand-sewn sailcloth is pulled taut by steel cables, inspired by the drying fish racks used in the area. The corridor is filled with 91 lamps because 91 people were executed. Mm-hmm. Each one illuminates a window and a plaque with testimony from the trials telling the story of the person killed. 
when you enter on a wooden gangplank through a steel door into blackness, it is like going into a dark tunnel. The walls move in the wind, shuddering with heavy gusts. Next to this is a black spiral box built to house a chair with a burning flame in the middle. It's so cool. Dang. Above, above it are three mirrors that reflect the flames representing the damned, the possessed, and the beloved. Ooh, I have chills. The Very mirrors, dramatic. My dobbies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the mirrors distort the flames and make you feel like you are in the fire. Oh! <laughs> my dobbies could cut glass. <laughs> I want to go to there. I know. We need to go. How fucking wow. cool is this place? That's that so cool. It's so gorgeous. Give me nightmares. Yeah. Good way. Amazing. Yeah. So that is Varda. Wow. wow. I loved that. That was a good one. I love this episode. I know. <laughs> I love our own pick for ourselves. Yeah, we nailed it. <laughs> we nailed it. Well, there's more to come, so should we hear a word from our sponsors? Let's do it. Okay. Eternalflames.com. <laughs> I love to be warm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a hot-blooded American, but I mm-hmm. love to be warm. And that includes when I'm sitting outside around a fire or, you know, in the car. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to bring your, like, bed blankets in the car with you. You don't want right. to bring them outside. You don't want to travel with them. You leave your bed blankets in your bedroom because mm-hmm. there are a lot of blanket options on the market, but only one that is dedicated to sustainability and that flexibility, you can take it wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously, these rumple blankets, they can be in the great outdoors. They can be in your living room. They can be in your car. They are amazing because they're waterproof. They're durable. They're cozy. And they're made with the same technical materials used in premium outdoor gear and active wear. Another thing I love about these blankets is that Rumpel is on a mission to introduce the world to better blankets. And like Lucy said, sustainable Blankets. So they recycle over 5 million plastic water bottles a year to offset our carbon footprint. I mean, come on. That is like, yes, a blanket with a mission. I'm obsessed. And like I mentioned, they're weather resistant, they're durable, and most importantly, cozy. So, like Lucy said, in the cold Midwest, you know, that transition from fall into winter and then from winter back out into spring, you're like, desperate to sit outside by the fire pit Mm -hmm. and just like make it work and the rubble blanket is the way to do it and the fabric keeps pet hair and debris off which makes it usable for anything like we said this could be indoor or outdoor and you can get a bunch of different styles there's the original puffy or the newly released wool blanket Oh, oh yes the luxury. Their blankets are perfect for any adventure, even the living room kind. Oh, I love it. So you can save 15% through March 30th of 2022 at rumple.com. That's R-U-M-P-L.com. And use code GALS15, G-A-L-S-1-5. Stay cozy this winter and fall and spring with Rumple. Do it. When it comes to weddings, there are moments you'll always remember, and it's not just about walking down the aisle or cutting cake. There are a million little moments that really stick with you, and those are the things that you want to remember the most. Like, you know, I have officiated weddings. I have been the maid 
of honor in weddings. I have been a bridesmaid. I have been a personal attendant. I've done every part <laughs> of a wedding. You've run the nuptial gamut. I have run the nuptial gamut. And there are like these little intimate moments that are not necessarily about everybody watching you and like all of those big crazy times mm -hmm. <laughs> and all the stress. And it's nice to have a way to like organize all of those things so that leading up to that big day, you know, you have a little bit of help in all the moments leading up to your wedding day. Here is the most important thing to remember. It is Zola. It sure is. Mm -hmm. Whatever kind of wedding you're planning, Zola.com is the one place to start. They've got your back for all of your wedding needs. And that is why over a million couples have planned their weddings with Zola. So Zola really does it all. You're looking for a wedding venue? Zola will give you personalized recommendations. Mm -hmm. Same with vendors. If you want an amazing gift registry, you'll find everything you need from classic cookware to cash funds. Everyone needs cash, you know? Yep. Zola can even help you create stunning save-the-dates, invitations, and a matching wedding website. And when I say stunning, I mean stunning. They have so many options. Seriously, whatever kind of vibe you're going mm -hmm. for, Zola's got it. Trust me, I've looked. Uh. Yeah, and the best part is all of their planning tools are completely free to use. Uh -huh. Because weddings can be very expensive, but planning with Zola is not. And it's not just free, it's risk-free. You can get free personalized samples of your invitations, so you can try them out before you buy them. And of course, free envelopes and guest addressing. Oh my lord, the guest uh, addressing. Seriously. Yeah. Take it off my plate, honey. Mm-hmm. So whatever your style or budget, Zola has you covered. So you can think less about the million things you need to do and more about those little intimate wedding moments that you'll always remember. Give someone else the stuff that's annoying and, and painstaking. Give it to Zola. <laughs> so if you're planning your wedding, here's our tip. Start with Zola. Go to Zola.com slash gals today and use promo code SAVE50 for 50% off your save the dates. Zola is the one place to start your wedding day. That's Zola.com slash gals, save 50, and treat your nuptials. Straight on. You know, it's funny. There are all these gimmicks that promise a great night's sleep. You know, pillow toppers, fancy blankets, mm -hmm. machines that make noise. The it's hybrids frankly, and the whatevers. Uh, the I don't even bridges, know. The gummies. <laughs> like, I gotta be honest, y'all. It's lipstick on a pig. If you're sleeping on a terrible mattress, your sleep will be terrible. It is that simple. And that is why I recommend sleeping on a purple mattress. It is life-changing. Tell us more. Love the purple. Mm -hmm. Only purple mattresses have the Gel Flex grid. And Ugh. what is the Gel Flex grid? It is heaven. a it's heaven. <laughs> it's also a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points. And my favorite part, it doesn't retain heat. It's the best. It's like a squishy honeycomb. It's like I have holes. not woken up in a pool of sweat since switching to a purple mattress. Well, and you know how sweaty I sleep. You're a sweaty Betty. Mm -hmm. The Gel Flex grid is amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips no matter how you sleep. Sometimes I'm on my side. Sometimes I'm on my back. Sometimes I'm flat on my face. Mm -hmm. And it is comfortable no matter what. 
Mm-hmm. Unlike memory foam, which remembers everything. Uh, too much. Too much. Memory mm-hmm. foam has seen some stuff. <laughs> the gel flex grid, which purple mattress has, bounces back as you move and shift. So you'll never have that like I'm stuck feeling mm-hmm. that you get with memory foam if you're like in the same place for too long and like you can't move. Right. Or when you and your partner over the years are just like slowly sinking toward the center. Oh, yeah. Because you've both made the same indent. It- like Bill and I can sleep so comfortably on either side of this bed. And like, I don't know if it's intentional, but I swear that gel flex grid also, like you don't feel as much movement of your partner mm-hmm. through the mattress. Absolutely. Like, it's been a game changer for both of us. Well, you know, you slept on my purple mattress the other night when I you slept did. over at my house. It's so comfy. I remember even waking up the next day and being like, wow, this mattress is comfortable. And then remembering like, oh yeah, it's a purple mattress. Duh. Duh. So try your purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns and financing is also available. Love that. And getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. So get a purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash gals10 and use code gals10 for a limited time. You can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash gals10, code gals10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. One more time, purple.com slash gals10, promo code gals10, terms apply and treat your sleep. Try that. Okay, are you ready for my case? I am so excited. Which is loosely linked to Kenyans <laughs> in the end. Love it. So as we've obviously determined in this episode, witch hunts, trials, executions, they were happening all over the place, far beyond Salem, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And this is a story out of Sweden. Oh! That makes me terrified of my blonde ancestors. <laughs> yeah, real Because creepy. I know what side my ancestors were likely on. And it's not the witch site. I mean, I know myself. (laughs) Witch hunts began in Sweden as as early as 1527 during the period of the Swedish Reformation, where historical records suggest about 100 trials over the course of 50 years, leading to 10 executions during that time of Reformation. In 1608, Sweden passed the Witchcraft Act— which replaced a previous law stating that, quote, sorcery was only punishable if combined with murder. So like Lucy mentioned, it was pretty, they were pretty chill about it. Unless you committed like an actual crime, mm-hmm. we're just going to leave it. Mm-hmm. But they replaced it now and instead allowed the death penalty for all forms of sorcery based on one line in the Bible that reads, of course, misogynistically, quote, thou shalt not let a sorceress live. Mm. Oh, good. Yeah. So this is from Wikipedia, quote, in the Middle Ages, sorcery was not considered a serious crime. Sorcery was criminalized in Sweden, Finland, in the county law of 1350, which stated death penalty for sorcery only if it had been combined with murder. But there are no confirmed cases that anyone was actually executed for sorcery in Sweden during the Middle Ages. There are a few sorcery cases where the outcome is unknown, but it was probably fines that were implemented, such as a case from the from Arboga City's notebook in 1471 when Karen and Brigitta Anders Dolter were accused of witchcraft. Another one, the case of Eric Clausen from 1492, who was executed for consorting with the pagan god Odin, who is viewed by the Christian church as a demon, could be categorized as a witch trial, but also a heresy trial. So, like, 
The records right. are a little bit sh- shoddy because it's not like this was a witch trial. And this law was valid until 1608 when obviously it was changed to say, kill them all for yeah. any sorcery whatsoever. Yeah. Great. Cool, 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 cool. Great time to be alive. Yep. So as you can imagine, this kicked off the real era of Swedish witch hunts, but it t- really took hold in 1668 with a swath of witch hunts so large that it was given a creepy name. <laughs> Det Stora Oversendet. Or the Great Noise. Ooh. Ooh. The era of the Great Noise led to about 300 executions over the course of eight years from 1668 to 1676 when they were finally stopped. That is that is a great noise. Yeah. 300 in eight years. Yep. I don't and like that. We'll get to why it was so many in like the main story in my case why it was so loud why it was so loud it was really fucked up so the great noise started like really started when Lars Elvius a church pastor in Dalarna interrogated a young shepherd girl named Gertrude Svensdotter (laughs) Gertrude had accused her playmate Marit Jonsdotter Jonsdotter of attempting to abduct her to the witch's Sabbath of Satan in Blockula. And Blockula sounds pretty fucking cool, by the way. It's a satanic meadow, according to Swedish folklore, where, like, quote, the devil held his earthly court during a witch's Sabbath. And I want to add this to one of our tour stops. Blockula. Live from Blockula. There There was something in my case, too, where there was, like, a hill near just conveniently nearby that was supposed to be like the devil's hill and the entrance to hell. And it just happened to be like six kilometers from the village. We've got a hill too. (laughs) Well, like that park and that tree in Louisville that you took us to. The witch's tree. The witch's tree. Like Mm -hmm. every town has something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just the sheer amount of trials based on like shitty and bored and tortured children getting caught up in the hysteria of equally bored and uneducated adults is fucking astounding to me. Like shitty kids, even before they were tortured, probably just to like be in the good graces during all of these yeah. ridiculous accusations. Oh, just chucking the, people under just buses. Chucking people left under buses. And, right. and le- <laughs> it led to the slaughter of so many people. Well, imagine if you're like a you know, 12 year old oh, I would do shepherdess it and like you lose a sheep and you're like, I actually didn't Mara because did it, it was <laughs> fucking Mar. She's a real bitch and she fucking did it. Raven Mari did it. Marit Jonstalter. <laughs> Bye-bye, well, Marit. Like, psychologically, they don't understand consequences. No consequences. Not at all. Yeah. It's just, it's nuts. And this, like, this situation where this accusation specifically expanded into a large trial in Delarna in 1668, where 17 people were sentenced to death for having abducted children to Satan. So. From a daycare slash pizza parlor. Uh, literally my next line. The fact that this satanic panic bullshit, this is where I'm going like this revived itself in the 80s and 90s like we just repeat the yeah. dumbest portions of our history over and over again and everything is dust clearly i'm going through it right now 
Yeah. And the kids didn't even get anything good out of pointing their sticky little fucking fingers at each other because in this trial, the children who were supposed victims and witnesses were punished as well, literally victim blamed for, quote, having been to Satan and participated in the Sabbath, albeit by being kidnapped. Oh, no. It's like, it's like oh, we know you were dragged there, but you were fucking around with Satan. So I don't make the rules. I literally make the rules. I literally make the rules. And the punishment was brutal. Oh, no. So 148 children were sentenced with being whipped or running the gauntlet, which if you are like me and you weren't quite sure what that entails, these kids would literally be forced to run between long lines of adult soldiers, my adult sons, (laughs) who would like attack them and stab and jab at them while they ran up and down these rows of soldiers. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? What the fuck? Y'all, I would have lasted approximately eight seconds in 17th century Sweden. (laughs) And in 17th century anywhere, for that matter, this was so scary. It's unnecessarily brutal. These are my people. I'm so ashamed. The French Canadians? No, the Swedes. (laughs) I can't believe that anyone survived. It's a miracle that anyone still exists. Humans should have been wiped from the planet so long ago. Yeah. We are awful to ourselves. We're terrible. We're fucking awful. So this witch trial attracted attention and caused witch hysteria all over the country. Like, the rumor mill was basically the Facebook COVID misinformation of its time. Mm -hmm. And rumors would bounce from parish to parish about, like, with activity and then about witch activity and then suddenly those parishes would notice witchcraft in their own community and this was literally the same shit that we learned about during the satanic panic and like QAnon conspiracies of our generation mm-hmm. folks were just convinced that witches were abducting children to the witch's sabbath of satan of blockula or they were exposed to sexual abuse and forced to sell their souls like this is still happening now mm-hmm. yeah I am not well <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You got your appointment to up your meds. It's coming. It's soon. It's I just soon. gotta make it to the seventh. <laughs> the Sabbath. The witch's seventh. The witch's Sabbath where you can up your SSRIs. You guys. <laughs> I fucking. I know. Wow. So. Yeah. Right obviously, this caused. <laughs> widespread panic among parents who started to demand that the authorities issue investigations in their communities. These investigations were demanded in communities all over the country and the witch hunt hysteria just got fucking out of control. It was literally everywhere in Sweden. It was so widespread, in fact, that the Swedish government created a central national witchcraft commission in an attempt to take control of the situation. So this is again from Wikipedia, quote, The rules of the Witchcraft Commission were issued by the king in 1673 and 1674. The 1673 regulation stated that only those accused who confessed willingly and who had played a leading role were legal to execute. The revised rules of 1674 stated that people could be executed even if they had not confessed, but that torture was, from that point on, legal to use to make them confess. Oh, great. Torture had been... Even if they don't confess, you can kill them and you can and torture, you can them, torture to make them until them confess. they do. Uh huh. Cool. And torture had been commonly used before without legal commission. So this was just like, we're just going to make it legal. Yeah. It's easier. Mm-hmm. 
The commission was divided into two departments under the supervision of Governor Carl Larson Spahr, who, Carl pres- uh, <laughs> who preserved the right to confirm all sentences before they could legally be carried out. So he was like, at the top, he's like, you can go have your investigations, bring me your findings and your sentences, and I will decide mm-hmm. who's put to death and who's not. I will play God. Yup. All the condemned were executed by decapitation, after which their remains were burned at the stake. So this was pretty much open season on witches, mandated by the government, Mm -hmm, because if mm -hmm. they didn't willingly give themselves up, you just fucking torture them until they did. Super dope plan. No notes, Sweden. Love it. (laughs) This commission opened the gates to mass executions in villages across Sweden, one of which I'm going to focus on for the rest of my case. The the Torsaker Witch Trials of 1674. I have never heard of any of this, and I am so pumped. Y'all, it's it's nuts. (laughs) This was one of, and actually I think it was the largest witch trial in Swedish history and took place in the small village of Torsaker, which is like smack dab in the middle of the country and a little bit to the right, like right on the bay. After a successful trial in Dalarna in 1668, led by Laurentis, a.k.a. Lars Christophori Horneus, Lars the Horniest, (laughs) is what I will be calling him for the rest of the case. Lars the Horniest. Lars the Horniest. The minister of Eterlanus Parish. He was summoned to Torsaker to investigate suspected witchcraft at a parish ministered by Johannes Watrengus. Johannes Walrus. Nailed it. <laughs> Lars the Horniest had a method that made quick work of identifying witches, and he deployed this method upon his r- arrival in Torsaker. He selected two boys who would stand at the door of the church, one on each side of the door, like flanking the door. As folks walked into the church one by one, the boys would identify the witches by an invisible mark of the devil on their forehead that mm. only these chosen boys could see. Invisible. How fucking convenient. This is pr- foolproof. What? Oh so my he picked, god. He picked two random boys and they would was just like, point. You can see it. Yep. At one point, one of the boys pointed at a woman named Britta Rufina, who was the wife of Lars the Horniest. And Lars just slapped the <laughs> shit out of this kid, and the kid apologized and claimed to have been blinded by the sun. Oh my god. Yeah, not my wife. No, exactly. So, yeah, a couple little boys are just picking people off. And if they pick the wrong gal, they get slapped into reversing their accusation. Completely ironclad method. I, I, I can't. That is that is by far is that the nuts? most egregious mm-hmm. form of accusation. Can you I could just imagine two little blondes and later hosen just going. Like yes. Yeah. Yep. I can, yep. Ugh. Things didn't work out super well for those little boys in the end, though, because the two kids were definitely murdered later and found in Torsaker with their throats cut. Probs because of the repercussions of their accusations, which we are about to get to. But they're fucking children. Yeah. And children are fucking stupid and and impressionable. And they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just doing what horny Lars told them to do. Yeah, it's not their fault. During like the scariest time to be alive. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, mad and sad for them. There is nothing they could have done, even if they did know better, to but avoid any of that. But also, fuck those kids. But also, I fuck mean, those kids. I can hold, I can hold yeah. both realities. Yeah. Mostly because uh, children. We it's contain a multitudes. Scale. Yeah, I contain if multitudes. Horny Lars came to their village, and they were like, it's, hey, it's you two, fault. come here. 
You're you going to point at people. Right, right. And then they pointed at people and then they got killed. Yeah. Listen, I said it's not their fault. And also that I hate them. So and like I recognize all of it. Maybe they were little shits. Probably. I normally don't take the side of the child, but that Listen, there's a lot of jams and jellies in Sweden. You know they were sticky. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. True. They were yeah. horrific. Yeah, Just these covered fucking in lingonberry, lingonberry motherfuckers. Yeah. Yuck. These lingonberry bitches. <laughs> And Just Lars Kool-Aid the mouth. Yes. Lingonberry mouth. Kool-Aid mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Lars the Horniest was a real piece of shit and would get accusations and witness testimonies out of children through torture, which was literally mandated by the government at this point as a legal practice. He would whip the children, dunk them in ice cold water, literally put them in an oven and threaten to like boil them or light the fire and cook them. Like, I'm sorry, who is the witch here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Hansel you're, and Gretel are not the witches. You're boiling children. I'm going to boil you and make you into soap. Literally <laughs> boiling children, but Unless okay. Unless you tell me who's boiling children and making them into soap. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah. not me or my wife. Right. Yeah. How dare you point at my wife? You know it was Lars the Horniest who slit those kids' throats for, oh, like, accusing yeah. his wife. That's mm-hmm. my theory. Yeah. Oh. As a result, the children made accusations to literally survive. So, like, I get it. I just also I hate them. They're Were still they given stay- a quota? I, I don't know. I mean, Are who we knows? Just like, keep going. I'm going to dunk you again. Keep going. Probably. They accused over 100 people in Torsucker, mostly women, but also some men and other children. The trial of these 100 plus people began in October of 1674. Even though this was the biggest witch trial in the country, the original documents of the trial were sketchy to the point of being basically non-existent. The documents of 1674 summarized that the trial was just very similar to the other trials and very typical in every way, Mm -hmm. except for the unprecedented number of victims. But nothing to see here. Move right along. (laughs) We're good. Of the hundred or so accused, at least 71 were convicted, though it was more like it was likely more because several prisoners were rumored to escape, have escaped after the trial because they're like, we're going to get fucking murdered. Yeah. What is confirmed, however, is that 65 women and six men were sentenced to execution. In a book written 60 years after the trial, Lars the Horniest's grandson, Jans, who got the hot goss from his grandma, Horniest's wife, Britta, Describe the general scene after the verdicts were read in the courtroom. Quote, they began to understand what would happen. Cries to heaven rose of vengeance over those who caused their innocent deaths, but no cries and no tears would help. Parents, men, and brothers held a fence of pikes. So, like, literally the men of the village, the family members of the prisoners are surrounding the prisoners with sharpened wood spears. They were driven, 71 of them, of which only two could sing a psalm, which they repeated when they walked as soon as it ended. Many fainted on the way out of weakness and death wish, and those were carried by their families up until the place of execution, which was in the middle of the parish, half a mile from all three churches, called the Mountain of the Stake, quote. Uh huh. On the mountain, the prisoners were decapitated away from the stakes, like the stakes were already preset, They would decapitate them away from the stakes so as not to drown the wood in blood and make it hard to light on fire. And when they were dead, their families took off their clothes and lifted their bodies on the stakes. So their own families are putting their decapitated corpses, tying them to these stakes 
which were lit and burned until they went out on their own. So some would burn for like days. Did Were the families like into it? Were they like, oh, you're a witch. Sorry. No, they I'm probably really, had to. So they weren't yeah, accused themselves. Precisely. Yeah. I don't think they were into it at all. Okay. The families of the executed then went home, according to Britta Rufina, without showing any emotions as if they were completely numbed. They were probably just so fucking traumatized by all of this that they're like, if I even scream out, like, what are you going to do? You scream out and you're a fucking witch. Oh, my Ugh. God. So this mass execution was a complete overstep of the law by Lars the Horniest. The commission, as we said before, did not give them the power to conduct executions, only to conduct investigations and trials and then report the sentences to the higher court. And that court was meant to confirm these sentences before anything was carried out. And more often than not, the higher court would reduce sentences and very rarely actually confirm executions. They'd probably like throw them in witch holes or whatever. So this Lars the Horniest guy was just a fucking sadistic psycho yeah Yeah. most Uh of the most of these local trials were conducted by fucking psychopaths like this guy Mm -hmm. but those higher courts had like more oversight they tended to be a little more more skeptical a little more Mm -hmm. rational so like if you if you had the opportunity to get tried by a higher court, right. you were You'd a lot be less go. likely to be executed. Which is obvious why Lars took the job into his own hands because he knew the court wouldn't straight up slaughter almost 100 people in this village. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was, there's no way it was going to happen. Wow. But these fuckers barely got a slap on the wrist for this. Like the commission called the participants in these executions forward to answer for their actions, which many of their actions were defended by authorities in Torsaker, and then the higher court was like, no more executions, now away with ye. (laughs) And just like sent them on their way. It was like, don't do that again. Yeah. Oh my God. Do better. Yeah. (laughs) Witch hunts continued on for about a year when in 1676, a woman named Malin Matsdalter was accused and put on trial in Stockholm. The trial led to her execution, but after the fact, authorities proved that the child accusers were lying and the woman had been killed based on absolutely zero fact. Somehow this was the first time the higher courts what, like, would be rocked by this. And they were like, oh shit, if Malin Mott's daughter could have been executed unjustly, maybe like a bunch more were. We better knock this shit off. Mm-hmm. So they instructed every priest across Sweden to inform their congregants that all the witches were successfully expelled from Sweden and they will be gone forever. So we're all done here. We don't need any more trials. It's all good. <laughs> like that's this, literally beep, what beep, they beep, did. This just in. Did. Flash news. <laughs> no more witches in Sweden. We're good, y'all. No more we're, accusations, cool. okay? We're done. We want to be it done. Down. Shutting it down. <laughs> and now there is a creepy lasting Easter tradition in of parts course. of Sweden to honor this bloody Lucky legacy. Of course there is. I know. This is not the most Swedish shit. God. <laughs> and that's why we make little blinces in the shape of the boys accusing people at the church I mean, door. That's why we rub not... lingonberries around our mouths on Easter. <laughs> Y'all. It's not the blood of the lamb. It's just over the door. It's just lingonberry around the mouth. A mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from folklife.edu. <laughs> Quote, now, what do you think, what, what do we do with this dark and difficult part of our history that caused so much suffering? How do we manage the memories of such ordeals? 
In Sweden, we meet the suffering by basically playing around with the Easter hag. (laughs) Not Easter egg, Easter hag. Easter hag. (laughs) I love this. It's basically (laughs) Halloween. There are photos on the drive of little children dressed as the Easter hag. One is like a real old picture and it's real creepy. Oh, oh, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Our little teapot. That is Damien Faye (laughs) fucking Wendell right there. Look at her eyes. She has a unibrow and she means, she's not fucking around. She means business. I love her. I love her so much. Super Damien Hag. Damien Hag. The modernized Easter Hag is like a lot more like a clown. I am one trillion percent <laughs> dressing up any future child I have as the Easter hag. Absolutely. Well, they kind of do have little lingonberry stains on they their shoes. They do. <laughs> Since the 1800s, she is the tradition, the Easter hag. She has become our heritage. They were just like, look look away from that. Now look how cute the Easter hag is. This is what we're going to go with now. <laughs> she has become our heritage, not the events which lie hidden in her background. Ooh. Do Swedes do this to cope with a difficult recollection yes. or to reminisce over the times before the witch trials when spells were not an evil act and the cunning women of the forest an important part of our healthcare system? Yes. Or do we dress our children as witches because we prefer to make quite a wildness we still secretly fear? Yes. I believe that the Easter hag is a combination of these things. She is both innocent and cunning, a malevolent woman who may scare away evil beings, as well as the memory of the healing herbalist who made no pact with the devil for her, for her abilities. Oh, I am celebrating the Easter hag. From Isn't oh, the yeah. Easter hag amazing? The Easter yeah. hag is amazing. It looks like if Pippi Longstocking yeah. met with like a Russian babushka. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. There's also a photo on the drive of like the flat rock in the mountain where this mass execution took place. And yeah, it's where really Aslan was killed. Yeah, it looks like that. Oh it's my god! Really my fucking god. creepy. It's real scary. Wow. And Denise. that's my case. I wow. loved them both. What? Okay, isn't that amazing? Before we close Incredible. out, I found the segment of the Encyclopedia Britannica that I quoted earlier, and perhaps I oversimplified, but just to clarify, I want to read the whole thing. <laughs> the decline of witch hunts, like their origin, was gradual. By the late 16th century, many prosperous and professional people in Western Europe were accused so that the leaders of society began to have a personal interest in checking the hunts. So it was the late 16th century. Not my wife. Yeah, exactly. The legal use of torture declined in the 17th and 18th centuries, and there was a general retreat from religious intensity following the wars of religion from the 1560s to the 1640s. The gradual demise during the late 17th and early 18th century of the previous religious, philosophical, and legal worldview encouraged the ascendancy of an existent but often suppressed skepticism. Increasing literacy, mobility, and means of communication set the stage for social acceptance of this changing outlook. So go. it did begin in the yeah. 16th century, the late like you 16th said, it just century. Took a long but it just... time for it to finally and and it probably yeah. depended on the region because you mm-hmm. also said in your notes that like the bulk of executions actually happened in like Germany and kind of yep. like 
the middle part of the continent. Mm -hmm. But then in like the UK and in Scandinavia, apparently Mm -hmm. I think it lasted a bit longer and maybe Mm -hmm. the height of it happened a bit later than elsewhere. Yeah. It was spread all over the world. So we didn't obviously have Twitter. This... It took a lot longer yeah. for witch hunts to go viral than Kenyon's fucking tweet about being tired. Although <laughs> the courts moved to just tell all the priests. Wait, what did you say? She's making fun of me for that stupid viral tweet. Which one? You've had a couple the stupid viral The one about being tired. Tweet. The one where she was just complaining just complaining <laughs> complaining in on 200 or fewer characters unbelievable <laughs> it's and it keeps popping back up we are haunted by oh it oh my god the easter hag <laughs> uh yeah but the move by the court to tell the priest to just tell all the people oh, it's that's over. my favorite that's the best that's probably the quickest way to just Put a cap on it. Newsflash, it's done. We we did it, (laughs) y'all. Good job, everyone. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. (laughs) That was my favorite part. I was like, they did what to end the witch hysteria era in Sweden? It it was kind of genius. It worked. Yeah. It fucking worked. And now Uh, we have the Easter hag. I'm going to spend the rest of the day looking up the Easter hag. I'm so into this. As well you should. Easter Mm -hmm. is just around the corner. (laughs) You got to start prepping your costume. It's New Year's Eve. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, January, February, March, Easter. (laughs) Anyway, think critically. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.